Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Cool. So last while we've been, uh, Phil's been chatting about, um, we've been talking about, you know, laying on of hands and us being called um, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this evening I just wanted just to look at some practical things. And even as we're sending out teams, we're preparing to uh, send out the mission teams and outreach teams. Um, the exciting thing is that we don't only reach out when we go, you know, when we send to, to different nations or different parts of the country. But our being sent and our being called by God starts here and now in our everyday lives, you know, what, you know wherever God has put us. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to chat about a few practical things around that. Um, let's just pray. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you. For your presence in this place, we thank you for your word, and we trust, Lord, yeah, for just a revelation this evening that you would destroy lies of the enemy, lift and break us out of misconceptions and deceptions, Lord, and bring a fresh revelation, Lord, of the freedom that we have in you, Lord, and a fresh revelation of the power that you have empowered us with, Lord, to be your witnesses, Lord. To be salt and light, God. And oh, so, yeah, Holy Spirit, we welcome you to come and to minister to us and to come and breathe on us life, Lord, and that we would be transformed in your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. The other day at Bible school, we were chatting about us being filled with the Spirit of God. And it's, if you think about it, it's, it's actually such a profound thing that. That God didn't just send us a WhatsApp or a text or an email. He, he sent His Son. And then He didn't leave us with a textbook or something. But He left us with the living Word. And He left us with, He sent the Holy Spirit. He, he sent, you know, part of Himself to live in us. And uh, we were chatting about this, how that, that is such a powerful picture of how, how He relates to us. Okay, and that he has, you know, in the back in the day, um, when when John the Baptist, his job was to prepare the way for Jesus, right? That's what he says. You came to prepare the way, but his second job was to identify Christ. So when he sees him coming to be baptized, he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world." Amazing moment. I would have, yeah, just can't imagine just the, the, the amazing power in that moment. And then, and then he actually testifies later. He says that the Lord told him that the one on whom he would see the Spirit descend and remain on him, that is the one that would be the Messiah. So then when he baptized Jesus, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came like a dove and came down from the heavens and and remained on him. And that was the sign that this was indeed the Son of God. And guess what? That is still the sign today. The ones on whom the Spirit rests. Amen? Who's that? We and, you and I. The, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is resting on us and living in us. That same one that remained on Christ. No different spirit, no other watered-down version, the same spirit. And then if you look, if you think, this is not part of the sermon, but anyway, if you think of the, <laughs> the in the spiritual realm, you know, it's, uh, you know, imagine the angels looking at the, the world, there must be a huge difference in the spirit between someone that is not in Christ, on whom the spirit does not rest, and someone that is in Christ on whom the Spirit of God rests, and in, in, in whom the Spirit of God dwells. All right? So when they look from a spiritual perspective, there they must be a huge distinction. Can you, you read with me? 
Those that, on whom the Spirit of God rests, that's us. And can you imagine in the morning when you wake up, all the angels are sitting on the edge of their seat. What are they going to say today? What are they going to do? When you walk to the bathroom to brush their teeth, with brush your teeth, they're like, what are they going to do today? Because the, the same Spirit that rose Christ from dead is on them. What are they going to do in the name of God today? What are they going to say? What is the stuff that they're going to accomplish today for the kingdom? They're all like, Sitting in, in awe and in expectation. What is it that's going to happen today? Because the same Spirit, not anything, but the same Spirit of God is resting on you. So every time you wake up, the demons start trembling and the angels start getting excited. Amen? Huh? Yeah. Okay, you're all looking a bit <laughs> dubious at me. But when we were chatting about that Bible school, we were saying that's, that is challenging on the one hand, but it's also encouraging on the other hand. Amen? So what does it mean that we are empowered by the Spirit? Um, so firstly, in our following Him and our becoming, and our, our being disciples of Christ, that means we are becoming more like Him, right? That's a challenging part because that means we have to change. Okay, Jesus isn't going to change. Praise the Lord for that. But as we're following Him, we become more and more like Him. We are changing. We are being transformed. And I just want us to look at a couple of scriptures just in terms of the nature of Christ in his, the way he lived when he was here, but also in the, his purpose and plan. In Luke 19, we'll look in a bit more detail just now, but he said, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That is why he came. And in our following him, that is, is absolutely central to who we are. Amen? If this is not central to our lives, then I'm not sure if we're really following Christ. Amen? Then Mark 10, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. You know, we live in a world where everybody wants to be served, but nobody wants to serve. But Jesus is, you know, he's the, His kingdom is the upside-down kingdom, right? Everything is working upside-down. So if you want to be successful in life, become a servant. Um, if you want to really be a follower of Christ, he came to serve. So we are also here to serve. And then secondly, he gave his life. Um, so what a privilege that we can also lay down our lives for his purposes and his plans. Amen. And then when we see Paul encouraging Timothy, uh, Timothy was a young a leader in church. He was a church leader. Um, he was not necessarily a big apostle or evangelist or anything like that, but let's see how Paul encourages him. He says, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So he's saying, even when we're not thinking that evangelism or being a preacher or reaching out to people is our main gifting. He says, this is part of who you are as a believer. And if we look at the life of Jesus and we becoming more like him, surely this is something we can't avoid. You know, this is so central to who he is. Loving people, serving people, reaching out to those who need him most. Um, and doing the work of an evangelist, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news with people. But this is challenging, right? <clears throat> I don't know about you. When I was a young believer, I thought when we prayed for um, missionaries and stuff, it always felt like far away because everybody in, in our country is Christ, or Christians, right? That was my perspective. So we used to pray for the people behind the Iron Curtain. Okay, you guys are all too young for that. But there was this thing called the Iron Curtain. The man op die grens en die mense achter die eistergordijn. We used to pray for them every day. I'd, I had this picture in my mind of this huge curtain somewhere. And I don't know why, but there's these people behind this curtain. And they're in, in trouble. Yeah, you guys are all blank now. Anyways, the person. <laughs> but it felt, always felt very far. But, you know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Yuri. Thanks. And... Um, but the reality is the harvest is here. It's close. It's right here, everywhere we go. Where there's a harvest and it's ready. 
And uh, so I just wanted to look at a couple of practical things around that. Firstly, what are the obstacles, right? So one of the th big things that we do, um, or the enemy manages to convince us that this evangelism thing, or this loving people and serving people and reaching people with the love of Jesus, there are other people that are way better uh, at that than, than I am. So we, we convince ourselves, I've got a role in church, maybe I'm serving somewhere, or I'm doing my thing, or I'm giving my tithe, and there's somebody else that's better at evangelism. So I, I don't do that stuff. Okay, My role is different. I have a different role in church, and I make my contribution some way. I don't, I don't, that's obviously not your guys' problem, but out there, there are believers that think like this, right? <laughs> and we manage to convince ourselves that I'm, I'm not so gifted at that, so that's not going to, I'm not really going to focus on that, okay? Uh, my role is something else. I want to really challenge that. I really believe that if we're going to become like Christ, this is going to grow in our lives. Our love for people, the love of God in me being manifested in how I serve people around me, how I engage with people around me. It's going to, something is going to change over the years because I'm becoming more like Jesus. Amen. Okay, there's one I mean, prestigere. Okay, so, um, so that's a big one. So watch out for this one. Don't fall into that trap that this is somebody else's job, right? Every one of us have this same spirit in us. And we have this amazing treasure that God has entrusted to us to share. I mean, the other thing that we, we step into this trap we fall into is that right now, in the season that I'm in now, this is, I, there's no... I don't have time, you know, my studies or my job or my family situation or financially. You know, in this current season, it's not really going to happen. But one day, maybe when I finish Bible school, maybe when I feel a bit more equipped or when I've done all the encounter series things, courses, or one day when I have a bit more time, or maybe when I have a bit more resources, or maybe when the kids are a bit older, or maybe when my job is a bit less hectic, then I'm going to do this mission thing, or I'm going to reach out to my colleagues. Okay, guys? Okay. <laughs> okay, so don't fall into that one either. And then some of us have to be really be honest uh, with God and say, Lord, to be honest, maybe I'm not in that space. I'm not really lying awake at night because my neighbor is not a believer. I'm not really lying awake at night worried about my colleague that's going to hell. And I, I have to pray about God giving me compassion. Amen? I have to be honest with the Lord. This is not something that is a big, massive thing on my heart right now, but I'm asking for you to change my heart, to give me a love for the lost. To stir in me compassion for those that do not know you. Okay? I just want to give you a fair warning. If you pray a prayer like that, God will answer your prayer. Okay? Fair warning. But I will still want you to pray it. Amen? <laughs> um, I remember praying this prayer and the Lord changed my life. Because I just started looking at people completely differently. I used to be an extremely shy person, okay? Such an extent, I remember when visit, my parents had visitors or when we visitors, people came to our house, I used to hide behind the couch type of thing. Very shy, very introverted. I'm still an introvert, nothing wrong with that. But uh, when the Holy Spirit came upon me, something changed. I mean, because I started to see that my inhibitions and my fears and my stuff around not wanting to engage with people was so small compared to the, the, the vastness of the love of Jesus for people. Amen. And the more I was exposed to the love of God for people, the more I, I was able to leave aside my own thing of, I, don't want, I, I prefer not to speak to people. Are you with me? Amen. So, we can pray and engage the heart of God, and He's faithful to transform us. Amen. I want to just look at Luke chapter 19, uh, see how Jesus interacts with um, Zacchaeus. 
Right. Um, uh, from this one. And he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Just to pause there. So that meant because he was working with the Romans and basically for the Romans, he was working for the oppressor. That means that in that society, in, that, in the Jewish community, he would have been despised. Not anybody's good friend, really, like, like not, probably an outcast in terms of social dynamics, all right? But he would be very wealthy, okay? <coughs> and he was seeking who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. And often we, we look at people around us that are financially doing really well or that seem to have, it, have everything. Everything is perfect. And we, we almost think, okay, but I, I don't need to share the gospel with them because they, they got kind of everything sorted out. But if you think about it, Zacchaeus must have looked like that because he was very wealthy and he was sorted, had everything that cards could desire, heart could desire. But he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He had a, something in him wanted to see who this Jesus is. Don't let the enemy tell you, no, because somebody is well off, or because every, they seem to have everything together, that they don't have a need for Christ. Maybe you heard something, maybe you heard of a testimony, somebody that was healed, or some, you heard something, and he, now you had this hunger and this desire to know who is this Jesus. So even those that we think don't need God, or we kind of avoid, or we think, no, maybe I'll just share with the guy that's on the side of the road who's really desperate, you know, he might listen to me. Don't, let's, not, let's not fall into that trap, amen? Even the, those that seem to have everything sorted, they have a need for Christ, just like we all do, okay? All right, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was, he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, now this is the religious crowd, right? The church people. When they saw him, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. All right? doesn't sound good. I remember when I was a young believer, I was, saw some of my friends that were Christians and spending time with these very hectic sinners. I think, what are they doing? You know, why are they spending time? And later on, I was convicted. I was saying, but that is where Jesus was spending his time. Obviously, I'm not talking about being influenced by, by those, but being the one that influences, right? So... Um, how are we engaging with those that really need Christ? Or are we keeping our holy huddle? Are we kind of keeping ourselves? Because this is what the kind of the vibe we get here. We don't want to spend time, spend anything time or interact with sinners because we're going to get, get contaminated, right? That big thing that, that uh, the culture of the day was being the clean and the unclean. So if you were clean in terms of being uh, you know, religious, you wouldn't want to interact with somebody that's not clean because you would get contaminated. That's literally how it was. So sometimes we, we act the same way. I, mean, I don't think you guys do that, but sometimes some, some other believers, they do that. So uh, let's watch out for that. They were grumbling. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But that is so typical of Jesus. He was always going to where the need was the most. Amen. He was touching the lepers and freaking everybody out. He was <laughs> going to interact with prostitutes and stuff. Everybody was freaked out. But he, was, he came to seek and to save the lost. He says, that, you know, he didn't, the doctor doesn't come for the healthy. The doctor comes for those that are in desperate need. Amen. So let's do the same. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. 
I just want us to look at a couple of keys that how Jesus interacted with Zacchaeus. Um, you know, firstly, Jesus had a quite a schedule. You know, he was always going you know, to minister to some people. And at that point, there was already a crowd of people mostly following him. And um, the first thing that I see here is that firstly, he was able to stop. He probably was going somewhere, he probably had some appointment, he was able to stop. And I'm wondering, how did he know Zacchaeus' name? Maybe somebody told him, or maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to him in that moment. And maybe there was a word of knowledge in terms of, you need to speak to this guy, his name is Zacchaeus, and you need to go to his house to minister to him. So he was able to stop. He was able to be interrupted. Amen? And he was able to... Um, move in the direction of friendship with this person. Going to somebody's house, having a meal with somebody, such a huge illustration of love and of caring. And Some cultures it's very foreign, but in our culture it's, it's great. If you invite somebody over, or if you go to somebody's house, or you take them a meal, you have a meal together, that's a powerful thing in those days it was as well. Saying, I, I, I want to spend time with you, I want to invest in this relationship, I'm, I care about you, Okay. So he was able to be interrupted. I just want to read this quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Um, he's a German theologian around the second, time of the Second World War. He was killed for his faith. He wouldn't keep quiet when the Nazis told him to stop preaching Jesus. So, um, yeah, you, you wrote a lot of amazing stuff. You're welcome to read his stuff. So he says, yeah, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will be constantly crossing our paths and cancelling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by preoccupied with our own more important tasks. It is a strange fact that Christians and even ministers frequently consider their work so important and urgent that they will allow nothing to disturb them. They think they are doing God a service in this, but actually they are disdaining God's crooked yet straight path. He's referring to how God makes things work together for those he loves. I mean, for those that he's reaching out to. He's, it, it doesn't make sense to us, but in the end, his purpose and his plans come to pass, right? And this, I feel, is such a powerful... Um, encouragement for us in, in the society we're in because we always got stuff happening, right? Going somewhere, got a plan, got a schedule, got stuff in place, you know, diary and Google calendars and, in, in, you know, reminders and stuff. And we always, I don't know, you know, when you have three kids, different sports and social calendars and stuff, it literally feels like you're just running from thing to thing and then church and this and that. But this is so important that we are ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. Because whose plan is actually the important one? Amen? So are you and I, are we ready to be interrupted by God? Are we able to recognize this is God interrupting my day right now? I can't say, no, I have to go somewhere or no, this or that. This is God. And I need to stop now and I need to pay attention to this person or this colleague or this classmate or this neighbor. Sometimes your own child had a moment like that. Was it yesterday? Anyway, uh, with one of my kids and I just realized I was busy with something really important. And then the, I just felt I had to quickly just check because there was a a small moment of conflict in the house, and I just wanted, to, I needed to double check whether the other party in the conflict was doing okay. So just being sensitive to that still small voice, um, and I, I really feel if we can grow to a point where we're able to be disrupted, life is going to look very different. Amen. Okay. Um, so Jesus stopped. And he was able to be interrupted. He was able to change his plans. Um, and we're going to look at a bit more what else. Okay, so <clears throat> some basic keys that we're going to look at. Uh, some of this is going to mean we have to be deliberate, right? 
We have to position ourselves. We have to put a bit of planning into it. You know, if, I, mean, I remember when we started getting involved in the school where our kids are. Um, because in one way, my job is quite boring because the people I work with are mostly born again. So I don't know if unbelievers at my work, mostly. Are you wondering who is not? <laughs> Anyways, anyway, but the point is, so I have, I have to deliberately find places where I can connect to communities where there are more unbelievers, all right? And we found that at school where our kids are, that's a great opportunity. But the point is, I had to be quite deliberate to say, okay, Lord, where can I get involved that I can actually position myself in a place where I, where I can have an influence, but also where I can interact with others on a regular basis. Amen? And it started with the Baliki Rugby and then other things, and prayer group and stuff like that. But sometimes it's going to take a bit of positioning ourselves. Amen? Whether it be in your res or at, in your class or at your workplace, sometimes it's going to say, okay, Lord, how can I position myself? Maybe at my sports club or at my place where I exercise or my, my hobby or whatever, in a place where I am, how can I position myself to have an influence? How can I plan into it? How can I spend my time in a way that will open up opportunities? Are you with me? Um, and it might mean having to, when you're thinking about uh, going on an outreach at the end of the year, thinking, okay, I'm going to have to fit this. I'm going to have to save up for this thing. I want to save. I want to go overseas. I want to go to India on an outreach. That means I'm going to have to plan. I have to trust God for finances. I mean, save up if I can. Schedule it when I do my leave for the year. Amen? So it's going to mean we have to be a bit deliberate. And then in terms of our expectation, just a practical thing. Um, with... With regards to ministering to somebody, especially somebody that you don't see regularly, or when you're with somebody that you see regularly, it's different. But I remember as a young believer, I, I always thought, when I'm sharing with somebody or I'm praying with somebody, I always thought, I have to, at the end of the conversation, they have to be born again. Otherwise, what's the point? You know? And then I remember there was such pressure, <laughs> pressure on myself. And then later I just realized that, you know, if you think of the, of the big timeline of somebody coming from extreme furthest away from God to them actually being born again, each person we encounter is somewhere on that spectrum, on that timeline, right? And if my chat with them can take them two, three steps closer, then that was... Okay. And sometimes we don't, have, we don't see the steps, we don't see the fruit immediately, amen? But just coming to, uh, to the realization that I have to trust the Holy Spirit that He's going to take them closer. That I need to be faithful in my interaction and my faithful in my sharing the love of God and, and serving the person and loving them and encouraging and praying for them. But don't expect for them to take that leap all in one. I mean, sometimes it does happen. I mean, I've experienced that a lot, many times. But not always. Um, I'll tell you about the time I was taking the bus from Cape Town to Pretoria. Yes, that was a long time ago. There's many hours. I think it was 18 hours. I was praying before and, and for the person I was going to sit next to. And then the, I felt the Lord saying, I must take some Tom of our encounter material with me. Praise the Lord. Eh? So we reached Wooster. The guy was born again. Amen? Yeah. And when we got to Langsburg, he was filled with the Spirit. And then the baptism part was difficult. <laughs> but it was so cool because he was very open. And I was, you know, the Holy Spirit had been working in his heart already. And I was ready, I was ready with stuff and we could chat and we could talk about stuff. And he got filled with the Spirit there on the bus. And then, uh, anyway, the rest of the day, we, we could minister about other things. But, uh, what I'm trying to say is that it was a little bit of preparation and deliberate, being deliberate on my part. Amen? Under the direction of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so sometimes they do get born again right away. Praise the year. Okay. Then, very, very important to look at what God sees. I remember a time when, I, especially at Rez, at Varsity, you know, so, being so overwhelmed by the sin. <laughs> 
the, uh, the sinners being such good sinners around me, you know. Um, they were really good at what they were doing and um, being good sinners. And <clears throat> that really offended me. So I was often just reacting to the fruit of them, of the stuff that they were doing. And then the Lord says, that's not the real problem. The problem is the heart and what's, what, not the fruit, but the roots. And then instead of then trying to convict the guys about their bad habits and their smoking and the drinking and everything else, the Lord started to lead me in, in how I should pray for them, whether they you know, were rejected as a child or whatever the heart issues were, the Lord started to lead me in praying more specifically with what He was busy with. Amen? So I want to really encourage you to, to really pray that and ask God to, to, for you to see what He sees how to make assumptions around what this person, what their need is. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and then very practically, to be able to really minister to somebody, being, spending time with them really makes a difference. Okay? And again, we're living in a time where online we spend time with people. I'm not saying that's not useful at all. You can do that usefully and productively. But there is such a power when we actually make an effort to spend time with somebody, to sit across from them, to listen, to hear what they're all about, to be with somebody, um, to really um, engage with them on a personal level. Okay, we'll look at that again now. And then the most effective method, this is just a reminder, this is what we've been chatting about the last couple of weeks, but of all the many methods that are out there of the four spiritual laws and the way of the master and all these ways that you can share your faith. I mean, I've got a whole box full of them at home. Tracts and plans and steps and all kinds of things. You know, they're all great tools, but ultimately when it comes down to it, the most effective method is just having a partnership with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Walking in a place where we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, that we are able to be interrupted, that we listen to His voice, that we're able to stop our day and say, okay, Lord, this is what you're telling me now. I can move in obedience, okay? And I want to really encourage us. That is, that is also something that we grow in. Remember, a while ago we spoke about if you... If you don't have an appetite for the scripture, just like for vegetables, you know, I notice with my children, if they don't have an appetite for vegetables, it's like a chicken and egg situation, you know, how do you create an appetite? The only way to create an appetite is to, for them to eat more vegetables, right? David has seen it in real life, you know, my David avoids the vegetables, and then, <laughs> anyway, the point is, it doesn't help if I don't give them any vegetables. So, similarly, if you feel you don't have a heart for the lost, and you don't have a capacity, you're not praying for people to be saved, it's not going to happen by accident. So, firstly, pray for it, but then ask God to give you that heart. And then, the more i found, the more I'm praying for my colleague, the more I'm praying for that guy at my kid's school or my neighbor, the more I have a heart for them. It makes sense. So just, you know, we grow in that because as we are praying, you know, maybe this is a revelation for somebody, the, our prayers often don't change other stuff as much as they change us. Think about that for a moment. So our prayers often change us more than they change anything else. And this is one of those moments where we pray for others more and more. Oh, we change because we start to see them from God's perspective. We start to have more love for them. We start to have more compassion. We change as we are speaking life over them and praying over them. Are you with me? Okay. Walking in partnership with the Holy Spirit, so crucial. <clears throat> I told you about that guy that was at one of the dads at school. Huge guy. And that's another thing. Sometimes we see these guys and they're like huge, powerful, boor kind of guys, you know, and we think, yeah, this guy is so intimidating physically. I know I come near this guy, you know, I'm just going to greet him from far, you know. And, uh, but, and some, or sometimes I remember in England we see somebody that's physically intimidating in terms of not something we're used to, like those 
guys that wear all black and makeup and goth stuff and everything and tattoos everywhere. <coughs> and I used to walk big circles around them until the Holy Spirit explained to me that that is a huge cry for help. And, and I changed the way I look at people like that. And so when I see somebody like that, I, 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 I say, okay, I need to go and speak to this person. So they, anyway, that's not, not judging anybody, but um, anyway, so this huge guy, um, and then one day I just felt the Holy Spirit saying I should go invite him for a coffee. And we went for coffee, and we sat praying in his bucky afterwards. And uh, some of you know the story, but then he actually shared with me, he said he was, he was in a very, very difficult place, and he was contemplating suicide. And now he was just so thankful that that somehow God brought me across his path at that time. Um, and some, you know, sometimes we are intimidated by so many things, right? But in, if we just open to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, we can just set those fears and the intimidations and stuff aside. The Lord is able to do amazing things. And a while ago, we were with the kids at um, Milky Lane. The kids said they want to go to Milky Land. So I said, do you have any money? And then Abby said, yes, she's got some money. So I said, let's go. You know, and then, uh, <laughs> no, I did, I did also contribute. But um, so we're sitting there. Uh, I think some of you know the story. But we were sitting there. And, and as we were sitting there, I felt the Holy Spirit saying we should pray for our waitress. And I said to the kids, what do you think? And they were like, no, Dad, we can't, we can't hear in front of all the people, you know. And I'm like, oh. So I said, what do, you, what do you guys think? What's better, for her to know that God loves her or for her to, you know, not know? And I said, no, okay, no, that, that's better. It's better for her to know. And it was so cool because the Lord gave us a word for her um, that was spot on. And we, you know, when she came around again, we asked her, we told her what we felt God was saying, and then she said, yes, that's true. And then she allowed us to pray. Uh, for, uh, but again, you know, if we, if we weren't open and willing for the Holy Spirit to minister through us, that moment would have been wasted and missed. Amen. Um, hallelujah. All right, gotta move a bit quicker. So we've spoken about proximity, actually spending time with people, looking at where God has already put us. Okay. Uh, so you don't you don't have to go to India. It's Please do join the mission team and go and go to live and go to Malipur and do all those things. But start there where God has put you every day. Because that is where there are people that you have access to that none of else nobody else has access to. There are people that you minister to where they will have no access to no other Christian. Okay, think about that. Some of the people that you have interaction with, you are the only Bible that they read. And you are the only Jesus that they will see until they meet him face to face, until they come to a revelation of him. Only what, they will only see what's in your life, all right? In style, in terms of God has gifted you and anointed you and empowered you very specifically, all right? You know, I was very impacted by the ministry of Reinhard Bonker, a German evangelist who used to minister to crowds of over a million people at a time. And they would literally see, at one or two of their meetings, they'd literally had more than a million people commit their lives to Christ at one meeting. Okay? So that's not for all of us. Okay? And that's not necess- And he had, a, he had a very passionate style of preaching and really passionately presenting the gospel in, a, in his German accent. But that's not for all of us. So if I start passionately shouting at people with a German accent, that's not necessarily going to be effective for me. Amen? So really trust the Holy Spirit to lead you and for you to be comfortable in what He has gifted you in. But bold also. Not saying be apathetic, but don't try and be some, like somebody else. Really trust the Holy Spirit to minister in, in how He has gifted you. Commonality, that's just referring to finding the common ground where God has put you looking. And that's If you're approaching somebody who you wanted to find a connection with somebody, that's a good place to start. What do we have in common? What do we share? Um, and then sensitivity, being sensitive to where they're coming from, being sensitive to their story and their experience, and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit 
and what he's doing in their life. Okay, are you still with me? All right, getting there. Just kind of expound on that a little bit. Um, there's a book here in the foyer. It's called um, Just Walk Across the Room. And from of all the evangelism books I've read, this is, this is one I really enjoyed because it's so practical and so relatable. So I want to really encourage you to, to read it. And one of the key, some of the key principles from that one is, and we've touched on them now, I just want to, they, they call it living life in 3D. The three Ds are developed friendships. Okay, so you, with the people that you're already spending time with, making, I'm not saying be friends with everybody. Okay, we've limited time. But be intentional and say, okay, Lord, these two colleagues of mine, I'm going to invest time. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to build a friendship, right? Engaging people around you. Number the second D is discover stories before sharing your own story and before sharing God's story. So that place of, of being uh, interested in somebody else, such a powerful open door into somebody's life because people don't know that anymore. Everybody just wants to post their own thingy and their own selfie. Nobody wants to, nobody's, not, nobody's interested in what you're going through, what you're, so just you taking time to have a coffee with a colleague or a classmate, ask them how is it going with that thing, or you, you know, you mentioned that your mom was ill, I prayed for your mom, how is she doing? That will blow them away, because they, people don't know that out there, because there's a very selfish world out there, Right? So being and uh, discovering where people are at and digging into who they are. And, and you know, um, Mads was ministering here about the counseling ministry. She was saying that that powerful place of listening to somebody, somebody's, when somebody feels listened to and feels that you have paid attention to what they, who they are and what they're all about, they feel loved in a very powerful way. So just you taking time out to listen to somebody and spending time with somebody and hearing what they have to say before you share your bit. Amen? It's really powerful. Okay. And then discerning the next steps by following the direction of the Holy Spirit. So that might mean, when you, we know, I had a chat the other day with someone that I've known for a long time and they, I've been praying for for a long time. And after that chat, I really... I, the Lord just opened up my eyes in terms of what I should be praying for. And so that might be the next step, saying, okay, I need to pray into this and this and this. <coughs> These are obstacles for this person to, to be saved, you know. Um, it might mean, wow, I realize after our chat that this guy is probably ready to, to come visit our small group, to come to the small group Bri. You know, or to come to the church, Brian, or maybe this guy is asking the kind of questions that I should say, listen, you know what, we have encounter, life encounter happening, and this is exactly what we're talking about, that life encounter. You should come, I'll, 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 you should come with me. You know, so discerning, where is this person at? Can I invite him to church? Can I invite him to encounter? Uh, what should I be praying about? Amen. You know, just in terms of praying for somebody, I just want to really encourage you. One of our friends from high school, from long ago. <laughs> we, were, we were friends from Standard 6, okay, what's that, grade 8. So that's almost 30 years, eh? That's quite hectic. Anyway, so, um, actually, it's, it's, more, it's more than that now. Anyway, um, he, he, was, he had some wacko ideas through the years. We had some really spiritual conversations, but always I would walk away and I would just say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to save this guy, but it's going to take a miracle. And I've been praying for him for a long time. And it's only recently that he was born again. And now, yo, the Lord is doing stuff in his life. It just boggles my mind. And yesterday we had two hours. He lives in Germany now. So we had a two-hour WhatsApp call because it's just sharing that God is doing and talking about scripture, and I'm like, hallelujah, who's this person, you know, it's just amazing, but uh, I want to encourage you, don't stop, I mean, don't stop praying for that person, don't stop trusting God, and there were, obviously, there were seasons where I didn't pray as much, but it's just amazing to see how faithful God is, um, and to see the fruit now in his life, and he's really having a tough time living in Germany, the spiritual climate there is very different, so that's why we have these long WhatsApp chats. But uh, God is doing stuff. Amen? Okay, okay. 
Let's go on. So, and then finally, to, to pray those dangerous prayers, like I said. Um, asking God to change our hearts. Asking God. You know, when, when Jesus looked, the scripture says he looked upon the multitudes and he was moved with compassion for them because he saw that they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He, he saw the condition of the people and he was moved on the inside. And I really believe that if we pray and we ask the Lord, he would move us in the same way. Amen. I had experience like that when, um, when we were ministering. I was, I was in Vienna at an evangelism course. And, um, <clears throat> and then one day we specifically focused on ministering in the red light district. So that meant all the drug addicts and prostitutes and like that kind of vibe was there. And I grew up very sheltered. All right, so this was way out of my comfort zone. Hectically so. And I remember standing there on the one side, like scared to pieces and just hiding, kind of hiding in the corner and saying, Lord, what do I tell these people? There's like zero common ground here. I don't have a clue what to say. I can't relate at all. And I just, I prayed this dangerous prayer and I said, Lord, why don't you, would you please show me your love for these people? And I just remember standing there. I think that some of the team was a bit concerned about me because I was weeping like a baby. Just weeping as the Lord just revealed his heart for people. Um, and I remember after that I, c- I couldn't look at people the diff- same way. Because God had shown me something of his heart. Amen. So I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. To say, Lord, I... I do not had yet have this passion. Maybe, maybe you have. Maybe you feel, Lord, give me a heart for my colleagues or for my neighbors or for my classmates or show me what you, how you love them. Amen. And I promise you, will never be the same. And just that encouragement from Paul again that whatever our gifting is, whatever we are called to do, we are also called to do the work of an evangelist, to shine His light, to minister his love in the place where he has put us. Okay. Amen. And then as I was, we're going to have communion now, but um, as I was preparing, I just felt there's um, somebody that maybe got, maybe you had have been sharing your faith and maybe there was a situation where you stepped out and you shared with a friend or a colleague and and things went went wrong. Maybe you were rejected, or maybe they uh, didn't respond well, and and that really knocked you. Um, I just felt the Lord saying that those that rejected you, or that you felt rejected you, they didn't reject you; they rejected Him. Amen. That when we're sharing the love of Christ, when we stepping out in faith, and we get rejected, actually the Scripture says that. They don't reject us. They're rejecting Jesus himself. Okay, So I just feel the Lord wants to encourage you, wants to um, strengthen you, wants to give you new hope and new love and new courage. Amen? And don't allow those rejections and those things that went pear-shaped to, to keep you from being salt and light, um, to keep you from really stepping out in faith. Amen? Now the, the the title of the book is called "Just Walk Across the Room," referring to, I know, in a social context, when you see that person that's maybe not chatting to anybody or maybe a little bit on the on this fringe, to just take that few those few steps. And I want to say, I want to encourage us. When it, maybe for you it means to walk across the street to a neighbour, or for you it means to to walk across the corridor to a colleague, or to a guy, a friend, or and raise, or to walk across the Baliki rugby field, um, wherever God has put you, or to across the gym, or wherever you are, I'm trusting for that boldness to step out. Amen. Just to take a few steps and know that the Holy Spirit is going to work. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is able to work powerfully in and through your life. Are you with me? 
just it takes for us to step out those few steps to start that conversation to pray that prayer and to see what God does and to be honest with you many times we don't see the fruit immediately amen but that doesn't mean God isn't working that doesn't mean he isn't ministering that doesn't mean he isn't at work Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.